Welcome to the School of the Word. This is the first part of Lesson 25 in our teaching series, as in the days of Noah, titled Progressivism, Progress in the Wrong Direction, Part 1. Our teacher is Alan Smith. Amen. Amen. Well, we do welcome everyone here this morning. I'm glad to see what those that we have. My text has been going off all, all morning on those that couldn't make it. And, uh, there was a lot of Pastor Steve. He's been he's tested positive uh, for COVID. So has his wife Kelly and her mother. They have now tested positive. And then I got one from uh, several elders testing positive. So it doesn't mean that an elder is exempt. <laughs> That's that doesn't give you an edge on much. So. Didn't own COVID either. So we've got a lot of COVID going on, uh, it seems. And, uh, but the, it, it appears that this round's not uh, as bad as the other rounds have been. So let's just, I want to pray right quickly for our pastor and his wife and the congregation. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for this day. We do ask and pray that you be with us in power, with your spirit, with your anointing. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you, and we call upon your name to invoke these meetings today, that you might be glorified. Man will not be seen, but your name will be exalted above all. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, thank you very much. As we uh, continue today on our quest, of, as in the days of Noah, I have a um, good bit of material to to share to this prophetic group for your critique and for your and I do expect you to judge it and to test it with the Word of God. And I, if I have the best way for me to accomplish my task is I aggravate you enough to look into it to see if it's true or not. And uh, so that is uh, my mango. I'm not trying to convince anybody of anything. That's not my job. I just like to raise questions and things for us to look at as, I, as it appears to me. And so as we continue uh, in this teaching, and also if you, uh, we'll see how the morning goes, but it appears I'll be teaching the next service also. And so I will probably continue this teaching in the next, uh, I'm thinking in the next session. And that way I've got... Uh, my same train of thought uh, throughout the whole thing. I was starting a second message, and when I found out, and sometimes you can, it works pretty easy and works pretty quickly. I just couldn't get it to work this morning, or not this morning, yesterday, as I knew I was going to have to do two messages. A lot of times you're, it just comes and it's there, just it wouldn't come. The only thing that would come was for me to continue on with this. And so, uh, You'll either get the second half, or if I get done, you'll get it twice. So there you go. All right. We were been discussing the portals, portals of heaven. Uh, as in the days of Noah, we know that there were portals uh, in the beginning. I raised the idea of perhaps portals again uh, for us to consider. We went over all of that conversation and those possibilities in the last few weeks. 
We know that Elijah had a portal there. We ask ourselves these questions, well, are they real? And the teaching I actually showed in Scripture that what I believed, that over each believer that uh, has Christ in their heart, is your, we are all a type of a portal for the Holy Spirit of God. That God, uh, you know, Solomon built God a temple. I've heard it taught a lot of different ways that Israel went around the mountain for 40 years because of their disobedience. And uh, it, it appeared to me that God kind of liked it, that uh, 40 years is a long time for a little bit of disobedience. Now, it gives us the idea God liked being in a movable tabernacle. And then Solomon and David, of course, took the, the, the Ark of the Covenant in. And, you know, David still had it in a tabernacle outside. And then Solomon, of course, built the, uh, the, the temple and, and all of that. And I think that the temple of God is a good shadow and a type of what God had going on. But I think the heart of God is He liked moving around the tent. It appears to me that way. And so he moved with Israel uh, in this tent structure. Now we find out that he ends up that we are now the tabernacle of God. We're the tent of God, and we're movable. God likes to move. And so I really think it's going, you're going to have a hard time crowding God in a, a temple made by hands. I think that's that one's... God allowed uh, humanity to get that one out of their system, and now God's back into the movable tent program. And uh, so we want to consider that because the fire of God, the presence of God, came down upon in a portal uh, upon that tabernacle. And now it, uh, in the portal teaching, it gives us this idea that over each one of us is this open heaven. Now, we can have an all, well, all of us can have an open heaven, but it doesn't mean it's doing us any good. That's a good place to say, man. It doesn't mean that it's really doing us any good if we're not aware of it, number one. Number two, if we're aware of these tight portals, it appears to me uh, that it'd be nice to, uh, to do some... Uh, uh, clean up, if you will, on the portal entrance. <laughs> I don't know how else to say. If you got company coming through the portal, might be a good idea to keep the portal entrance uh, somewhat clean so that there's no hindrance of, uh, of what's coming down to us. And I can be standing up here talking. You can be sitting there. We all should experience that movement of the Holy Spirit. I should be talking, experience an open heaven. Uh, the Lord will give me things to say. I, I hear at the same time you do. But at the same time, you're sitting there and you're hearing things also for the first time. And uh, you're like, oh, yeah, okay. And the truth is, if this thing's working like the Lord intends, you're hearing a lot more than I'm saying. Now, really, that, that's the truth. That's the whole, because you'll sit there and say, well, if Alan only knew this, or if he knew that, and I agree with you. Uh, but what's happening is the Holy Spirit's giving you revelation. He's giving me revelation. And, and so that is, then comes in this scripture where we understand that the Holy Spirit will teach us as we need and as we, as, as we desire. It's a personal Holy Spirit. So the portal issue and the portal understanding is tremendously important for us to embrace as we move, uh, move forward in this day that we're living in. We're living in a day of tremendous intellectualism. 
uh, intellectualism is uh, perhaps even used as a, a form of spirituality. Uh, it should not be mistaken for that, for spirituality, intellectualism. And um, so as we see these things happening, and I'm going to get into the perhaps intellectualism a little bit today, but as we're seeing this and the portals, are they real? We want to, uh, there's, a, there's things happening today that in our society, the intellectualism is trying to bring the answer to spiritual problems. Uh, spiritual problems can only be dealt with through spiritual means. And it's important that we can segment the difference of intellectual problems, spiritual problems. So, now portals, what are they? We, we've been discussing that. A portal is a doorway or an entry point, we'll say. It is an opening by which angels and heavenly beings can come and can go. Now, I want to bring something to your attention here that happened this uh, past week. Has anybody seen that picture this past week? Probably not. It happened in the UK, uh, Commonwealth, uh, United Kingdom. And there in the United Kingdom, I, I can't remember so many years ago, um, I, I'm wanting to say 2012 or 2002, or it was definitely in the 20s, um, that we had the Olympics were there. And ever since then, I think they have tagged this, uh, these ceremonies at the same time of the Olympics when they had them, even though these games went on before the Olympics, but they kind of tagged it. Uh, so they got a big arena. And so you have all of these different countries. You might want to look it up uh, when you go home today. This is called the Birmingham Bull. Star of Birmingham Commonwealth Games opening ceremony. So this was this opening ceremony this past week. And as a prophetic people, uh, it's important. I know a lot of people say, well, Alan, I don't watch the news. And I say, well, you're, if you're a prophetic person, you need to. You need to understand what's actually happening. You say, well, I don't, I don't believe this. Most of the news is fake. And I say, well, yeah, that's right. But you've got the Holy Ghost. You should be able to discern between the truth and the lie. So that, that don't quite get us off the hook. And it's important as a prophetic people that we know our Bible and we know what's going on around us. And so here, this happened this past week, and I submitted it to this prophetic class called a Birmingham Bull. It's, uh, it's called the Star of Birmingham. Now, the name of the games is Commonwealth Games and uh, of Birmingham. Now, this bull, is, if you look it up, you can look at it, it's... It's either cold or he's got bad breath. I don't know which it is, but this, this bull is huge. It looks like a mechanical bull. And this thing, I mean, the money somebody spent on this thing is, it's got to be astronomical. Just that, and, and when you see a bull or think of a bull in Scripture, what do you think of? Sacrifice? I mean, what, what, I don't know why in the world Israel built a golden calf. Do you? It is something about, I mean, if they've been around as many bulls as I have been in my life, you wouldn't be too impressed. But, but for some reason, this image, and you know, a lot of in, in Revelation, different places, you've got this image of the head of an oxen or a bull. And uh, we know that the bull is a head, that image of a bull uh, is usually used in pagan worship. Now, it just so happens with this bull, 
you can't see, and I didn't have enough room for all the pictures, and I wasn't sure if I'd get kicked off of Facebook if I used them. Uh, but around this bull, when it came in, I don't know, it had hundreds of women around it in these big flowing dresses, and they had this chain, and they were leading this bull into the ceremonies. And they were dancing around the bull at the same time as of worshiping this bull. The idea was that the bull was angry. Here you see the bull is angry. And a little bit in the ceremony, this red, it looks like a bull has got red blood pouring out of his eyes. And um, so they bring this bull in in this ceremony. And the idea is, is that the bull's angry. And the reason the bull is angry is because of the mistreatment of women uh, through all of the ages. And that's the reason they got women all around this bull. But now he's chained and they're bringing this bull in, and, uh, but he's angry. So the idea there is if we, uh, the one reason the bull is angry is because of women, mistreatment and misunderstanding of women. Uh, also because society, culture will not, just all of your woke stuff is what they were saying the bull is angry about. Of false religions, of religions not mixing, commingling together. All of this is in this ceremony here. And um, now this is just a reporter's, the reporters would give an answer to what are you looking at? And they would say, here's uh, what you're looking at. And so then the idea was when they got in there that because they were dancing around and they were worshiping this bull, the bull's angry when we must calm this bull down. That was the idea of the ceremony, is to calm down this bull. Now, uh, the dance troupe, who seemed to symbolize Birmingham's march towards uh, the betterment in society, calmed the bull down in an act of compassion. So the idea was that society is so misbehaving uh, because of all of these uh, political correctness issues that the bull is angry. Uh, and also it was it, it, the idea of, of the, um, you know, the, the, just the killing of children is what it was, you know, abortion. And it's this idea is because of the abortion in the United States and the laws and things are changing. And that's part of that whole uh, woke system that the bulls are uh, enraged. And so that was the ceremony and they had this dance troupe that came out around it. Now, the bull is shown to increasingly be enraged by the discord in society and its lack of ability to sort out differences and look out for each other. So much so, the bull is shown to slump, uh, crestfallen, and also cry tears of blood. The dreamers, they're called, that's the worshipers, then call for a reflection and transformation as they seek to pacify the bull. That's what the ceremony is about. Now, uh, I submit to you this picture. Anybody know who that is? Moloch is the ancient god of child sacrifice. I, I, I sense in my prophetic spirit that that's what's going on there, that Moloch's angry. They depicted him as a bull, and Moloch has this bull head and all of your um, um, ancient pictures and statues and images they've had. So, 
But he he actually had a hole, the statue of Moloch. He had a fire. He had a hole in his belly, and there's a fire underneath him. And people would take and throw their babies in that hole. Uh, as a most of the time, it was the firstborn, and then um, they would throw their babies in that fire as a sacrifice to Moloch. Uh, and the belief that they w the rest of their family would be then blessed. That was the idea. So as you get into it and you read and you understand that bull that came in, uh, that was the whole idea. The bulls enraged. The bulls, well, I mean, no, I mean, the United States did cut off a few sacrifices anyway, right, of children in this Roe versus Wade. Um, so what I was seeing prophetically is, that that God is angry. Now, you can say it's just a statue or whatever. There's a real God behind that. Uh, Trevor uh, has been teaching us about fallen angels. I think he'll probably get into the different angels that are over the different uh, countries, some of them continents. Um, you know, in the book of Daniel, uh, he got information, I think, on the, when he wrote Daniel... Uh, either 10 or 11 or 11 or 12, uh, the angel had to fight for 21 days. Remember, he's on his way to Daniel and said he had to fight the prince of Persia. I mean, that's that's an, that's probably in the fallen angels. Probably is. It's an angel over Persia is what that is. It's not a prince, so to speak, but it's an angel over. And not only that, he said, well, on my way back, I got to fight that booger from Greece. You see, so... He knew he had to fight one coming in, had to fight another one going out. So he had to fight these principalities, these angels. And uh, we know that when a lot of the angels fell, uh, that they already had assignments over the earth. And then when they defected, they, were, they took uh, the places of the earth with them. So therefore, you can go to different countries. Uh, there are some countries I'd just soon not go to. And that, that's the reason why. It's... But anyway, that's another day. But So you got the Moloch going on there. And I think that uh, Trevor's I, probably going to get into to some of that. Uh, we best it, and I think he will. Now, so we can say uh, what is happening, what is happening to the portals in these last days, we can say. Well, Matthew 24, 4, And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man do what? Deceive you. I've used this scripture. A deception, uh, I'm sorry to say, deception is the main thing, main theme of the Bible in this day that we're living in. It's about being deceived. Uh, I, I would like, I wish it was about, you know, how you can make a bunch of money, but that's just not where we are. Maybe in the previous generations, I don't know. I missed that one, but still it could be about... And don't think, I want God to bless you. God wants to bless you. But the biggest issue this day and time is deception. Now, we can say, okay, I want to look out for deception. But you also want to ask yourself, I don't want to be part of deception. Okay? I don't, we have to all ask ourselves that. Because we all tend to think, believe it or not, we tend to believe subconsciously we're the best person we know. And so we, when it comes to deception, we tend to blame everyone else for being a little deceptive, but I'm not myself. And the truth is, there's probably a little of that booger in all of us. And uh, it's, it's okay to ask the Holy Ghost to show you 
where you're, we're not totally truthful and honest. And, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, amazing how we're taught a lot of different things, but we need to be taught the difference in a truth and a lie. Uh, you got truth and you got a lie. And in this day and time, people are persuaded, well, if you got a little truth in it, and if you don't have to lie too much, it's okay. But that's just not so. There, there's something about this book. Do you believe this book is a supernatural book? I mean, really. Do, do you really believe that? Okay. If this book is a supernatural book, it's important so that it remains supernatural that you don't change it. To change the words of this book means you have affected if it's supernatural or not. Uh-oh. Are you with me? So there's a reason that words make a difference. Words make a huge difference. The Word of God, the words, make a, it makes a huge difference. And I personally believe that as Christians in these last days... Um, so in these last days, it's important to, for us to understand this is a supernatural book. But if you try to mess with it, or if you get Grandma's recipe for a pound cake, and you go to messing with it, it just don't taste quite like Grandma's pound cake, right? Because you've changed some. It just doesn't quite work. Same way with the Word of God. And that's the reason today you see in what's out here now is everybody's changing definition of terms. Words don't mean what the words meant. Uh, you, we can say, well, there's nothing to that. There's a whole lot to that. And words need to remain what words are. They don't need, male needs to stay male. Female needs to stay female. And you say, well, Alan, that's one or two items. No, it's everywhere, everything. Uh, that's just two obvious examples. So deception is the main issue that we have out here today. So he says in Matthew, and I'll use this particular scripture quite often. Uh, then if any man shall say unto you, lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christ and false prophets, and shall show signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, that they shall deceive the very elect. Now, as uh, charismatic Pentecostal type Christians, uh, we really hang out for the signs and wonders. At the same time, we're supposed to be aware that there can be false signs and wonders. And then you got to say, okay, Alan, well, what's a false sign of wonder? Well, a false sign of wonder can be something that's not really happening, but you've just been persuaded by some crafty spokesman to make you believe something's happening that's not really happening. Or an actual miracle takes place. And we have to consider that the enemy can perform such things that appear to be as a miracle. And we have to... So, so there has to be more than seeing as believing. And it's called a witness of the Spirit. So as Christians in this day, we start finding out that we are called upon to develop this spiritual sense, if you will, of what's true, what's a lie, what feels truthful, what doesn't feel truthful. Uh, you know as well as I do, you can tell when something's a little off, right? Yeah, spiritually speaking. 
I'm not saying we get them all right, but when you run into something, you're like, that's, that's, just, that's just a little off, I think. Well, you don't have to say it's off, but it means you need to stop and not swallow, right? You need to check it out and, and, and see what it's about. And the reason is, and I would like for Christianity in this day and time to be easier than this, but it just so happens when we were standing in line when we wanted to visit earth, we chose this time, I guess. I don't know, when we were in heaven. And uh, you can take that as a joke or not, just if whatever what suits you. Now, um, a false Christ says, follow me as we progress into the future. Right? That's what a false Christ says. And, and, uh, and trust me, I like to move forward in the future. I am all about it in the church moving forward. Uh, I'm all about forward motion. But we got to consider something. Uh, what are we moving forward in? Because there's some places the Scriptures tell us to go back. Because in our moving forward, we left something behind. Right? And there's kind of a cliche or a catchphrase, if you will, of in this day and time that the you need to be a progressive person who love who wants to move forward. And so there we start getting introduced to this term called progressive. And today you have on this planet a group in the far left that call themselves progressive. It's to give you the idea that they're moving forward uh, in life. They're moving forward in the uh, development of humanity that they're moving forward in uh, enlightenment of mankind, that, that, that that's a growth cycle. It's called uh, progressivism. So, so we'll look into this. So a false Christ says, uh, follow me as we progress into the future. This idea is humanity will perfect, now watch it, its human behavior by evolving or progressing to perfection. Now, when you get into political correctness, that is a progressive idea. Here you have what's called political correctness, and it blows my mind. What little of it I got, it blows it. How in the world people follow this thing called political correctness, and it's not a written law anywhere? But yet you'll get fired if you put something on Facebook that's not politically correct. Does that, does that blow anybody else's mind other than mine? Or am I just an old dumb farmer? Which I can believe that. Political correctness, people follow it. People lose their jobs or livelihood because you're not politically correct and it's not written what the political correctness is. It's just that you offended somebody. My land, I hate to go down the list of the people I have offended in my life. Some of them wrongly and some of them rightly. But yet, so, so we get this idea, you have one rule to political correctness, and that is if you offended somebody or one of my friends, then you're guilty. That's just the way it works. Now remember, it's not a written law anywhere. But here's the danger. The far left is trying to get it written into law. Are you with me? And God puts up with stuff until you write it into law. So we have this thing called political correctness. 
And we find that the world is the, the powers that be, which I believe totally out of the pit of hell, is trying to get us to yield to political correctness. Now, political correctness has the appearance of benevolence. It has the appearance of looking after those that are overlooked. There again, it has that appearance. We're going to look after the disenfranchised. We're going to look after the poor. We're going to look after uh, those that are uh, uh, mistreated, those that are different uh, uh, than us, ever what us is. Um, I've said to you before, and I mean every word of it, uh, this church is made up of misfit toys. This church is made up of those kind of people, of the disenfranchised, and you don't fit anywhere else. And, and so you come to new life. It's amazing to me how many people get recommended here because somebody doesn't want you in their church. No, you need to be down new life. <laughs> That's amazing to me. Send them on. That's all I can say. So, but, but this idea... This idea is that we're going to look after everybody, but it's deceptive. There's a deception to it, and I hope to unveil it today. <clears throat> now, progressivism has captured the call, but leaves out the message. Now, here, now, now listen to that. Progressivism captures the call, but leaves out the message. Now, progressive church today calls in... Uh, any type of sexual immorality, yet come. Transgenders, gay, transvestite, uh, and then just name any sin you want. Come. Now, when I was in revival with Jeff Rowland in Shiloh, that was the message. Come. Just like you are, Come. You'll think, don't hang us on a tree for this, but we had some ladies that were strippers in Hickory that showed up at church Sunday morning. That's right. Had one. Then two or three weeks, there's three or four coming. Jeff, which you can see why, about got me shot a hundred times, made the call, come as you are. Come. And they did. Drugs, alcohol, whatever. Wasn't unheard of to have somebody in the front seat and had a pistol in their pocket. And the reason they had a pistol is their drug deal went bad and they was afraid they'd find them in the church. Had all kinds of people. Now, that was the call. Now, the difference is Jeff preached a message. And if you came two or three times, you were gods. You couldn't make it over two or three times. Holy Ghost had you or you had to run, one or the other. His, his message was so clean and clear, you couldn't mistake it. So, we had the same call as the progressives today had. Now, here's what I'm trying to show you. The progressive left has stolen the call of the church. If you can handle that. We're, the Bible tells us to go out in highways and byways and compel them all to come in, both good and bad. And is that not what your Bible says? That's the message. I mean, that's the call. But the message is you better have enough of the Holy Ghost if you make that call. 
So if you come in, you're not going to stay that way long. Are you with me? And there was such an anointing there and such a revival spirit there. Trust me, you wouldn't stay long. I mean, Mike, you and Janine were there. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I mean, I believe you could have a mad dog come in and it got saved. It, it was just, it's just amazing at the presence of God. But here, as I'm watching this thing unfold, as believers and as Christians, we can be against the progressive left because they make this call. You say, well, Alan, the call's pretty radical. Well, the message is pretty radical. If you make a radical call, you better have a radical message. That's all I can tell you. Could you imagine what this church would be if we were all like we were before we got saved? It'd be a mess. But here's, the, here's what is a church we got to capture. The far left is using our call of the church. And they're calling everybody into their churches and the radical left and all of that, but they don't have the message that you just come in and we're, you're okay, everybody's okay. You can come here and live and hang out for church. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? Do you hate me and wish I'd die or something? Can you hear what I'm saying? Now, I want you to consider it. Let's test it. I'm not trying to convince you. I'm just telling you what I see and what I've experienced. I have experienced it because I, I read this one church and I'll, I got a few notes of that church. And when I read down through that church, I want to go down there and choke somebody. And as I was looking at the progressive idea, they're, they're, I'm like, whoa, 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 you can't, no, you stole our call. That's our call. You've stole our call. Now they're going to go there and not hear any message and they're doomed to stay in their sin. I just told you the truth. And not only that, when we want to stand up against that, we look like we're against the call. Can you hear me? Looks like we're against gays or transgenders. I'm not against them. Well, I've seen it. We had them, but we had, listen, I don't think there was nothing out there we didn't have at Shiloh. I've choked Jeff Rowland many a time. Said, Jeff, so and so, it's taking them too long. Was my word to him. I said, your message is not hot enough. And he'd say, okay. And trust me, he can preach hot. And, and, and people think, you see, I don't care who you are or what you're seeing as you want to hear the truth. There's something in the soul and heart of man that really wants to hear the truth. And those people would keep coming back over and over and over. The longest one we ever had, and y'all heard me talk about him before, was Doug Mayberry. He come in and said, Jeff, I'm going to tell it on him, he don't care. Jeff would get him out of jail on Saturday night and say, all right, Doug, I'm going to come get you, but you got to be at church on the front row in the morning. He'd go get him. Doug would sit on that front row. He had a pistol one morning. Jeff was up there preaching. He looked down and he seen the pistol in Doug's place and he said, Alan, I said, well, I went up there. Doug's got a pistol. So I'd go over there and he's beside Doug. I said, Doug, give me your pistol. He'd slip me his pistol and I'd go back over there and sit down. And Doug was an alcoholic. I remember one night, Jeff uh, went over 
Doug had been drunk. They called Jeff to get him. He went and got him, took him home, took him uh, over out around the bedroom, put him in the bed, come back out there, was consoling his wife and daughter. Oh, you'll be fine in the morning, whatever. And um, he was sitting there consoling. Well, about two or three minutes, the phone rang. And his wife picked up the phone and said, yes. And uh, it was a bartender down at the bar where Doug hung out. And he said, I thought y'all was going to take Doug home. They said, well, we did. He said, well, he's out here. So Jeff jumped up. Went out. Doug had got Jeff's car and took, went back to the beer joint, and he was in there consoling his wife and daughter. Now, that's how much we did. That's the truth. You think I'm kidding, but I, that one's mild. It's when you make a call, come as you are, good and bad. But yet it was the biggest revival I've ever seen in my entire life. So with that call, you got to have the message. Usually what churches do is make a call, people will come in, and through legalism you try to straighten them out. Instead of having the anointing of God to fall upon a heart, convict a heart, set a person free. Listen, that message is still supernatural whether we believe it or not. That is a supernatural message that we have to deliver. And it's real and it's true. There again, not to belabor it too much. The point is, and I hope you consider it and we'll look into it, uh, the far left has stolen the call of the church. And I don't like it. Because there's people going to die and go to hell because the enemy has infiltrated these church houses with what's called a progressive gospel. Let's look at it. Now, in progressivism, it's a progress, but in the wrong direction in these last days. Yeah, they're progressive, all right, but it's going the wrong way. Here's what the definition is. Progressivism is a way of thinking that holds that it is possible through political action for human societies to improve over time. That's what the idea is. I mean, a lot of people's idea is you come to church and you'll get better and better and better until you go to heaven, right? I mean, that's a lot of people believe that. The reason I go to church is so I got that on my resume when I get to the pearly gates is I went to, to, to church so much. But you got to understand, in New Age religion, what you do is you get this God, you, you use Jesus, he was a good man, and you'll get Buddha, and you'll get about a dozen others, and you'll put them all in a, in a, in a pile, and you're trying to get all your bases covered so you can get in, right? You just, I'm going to get all the gods there are out there, and, and surely that'll get me in. There again, the idea of this understanding to this prophetic people is deception's real and it's powerful, and the question is, how much have I been deceived? Now, watch it. So here, in progressivism, it can get into your bones quickly. And, and here's how it does it. You can have a heart. Uh, I mean, we've had uh, quite a few, which I deal with men, but we've had quite a few gay men here uh, that have told, uh, I don't know of a one that hasn't led in vict left in victory. Uh, maybe you do. I don't. Uh, did it take uh, hours? And uh, Pastor Steve has worked uh, countless hours that nobody has any idea of the countless hours that he's put uh, in with men that have struggled with that. 
and has as good a success rate as I've ever seen. And, he, and he'd never mention it to anybody, right? Just so happens I know what's going on. I know what's happening. And I kind of got his back door, so to speak. And it's just, it's just amazing how that gospel works when, when, when it's applied. But at the same time, when your heart goes out to somebody that has those struggles, and you hear the left heart going out to those people that have those struggles, you'll tend to align with the progressives. And the reason is because the church isn't shouting the call. We've chosen to be against. I'm not up for the progressive, but somebody's got to unveil the truth. They've robbed her call. So you'll end up fighting what you're for, for helping. Can anybody see that? I hope I offended you real good, because that's the truth. Now, I don't know what to do about it. I just know the problem's there, and it's real. We've got to do something about it, because as Christians, we find ourselves being against, it appears to the world, that we're against the very things we're for. Right? Watch how it works here. Progressivism arose during the Age of Enlightenment. It's been around a long time. Out of the belief that uh, civility, which is uh, for the civilians in Europe, uh, was improving due to the application of a new uh, empirical knowledge to the governance of society. So their enlightenment was making the society better. Was make, that the Enlightenment was making society uh, uh, better. It's amazing to me how the terminology is used as Enlightenment for light uh, to make things to, to look better. Now, I submit to you as a prophetic people that what's happening with us today is with political correctness is nothing more than applying the age of Enlightenment to the human spirit to try to improve society. That's what it is. And so when you get that same thinking in a church, that means you have abandoned the supernaturalness of this book. And you will think, if I can enlighten this person, that they'll change. And I'm here to tell you they might change for five minutes, but it won't stick. Because the heart, it's a heart thing. It's a supernatural... It's a supernatural problem. It's not a society problem. It's a moral problem. You cannot legislate morality through laws. It won't work. It has to be done through the heart. It has to be done through the power of the Spirit. Now let's watch this. To a progressive, political correctness is the evolution of truth. Are you with? The portals are being invaded by false Christ. Now I'm saying as we as individuals have been through the teaching, we're portals, it's being invaded. Now there's a picture of a, of a church up north. And these portals are being invaded by false Christ, which the church, the gathering of God's people. I've ex already explained a lot of that. Progressive Christianity is part of a larger movement called the emerging church. Has anybody ever heard of that terminology 10 years ago? The emerging church. The church that is emerging. Okay, here it is. It has emerged. 
It has emerged before us. And when it emerged, it's now called progressive or progressive Christianity. A lot of your political candidates on the left will call themselves progressives. And I know a lot of people don't want to mention politics uh, in the pulpit, but I will. If it's out of the pit of hell, I'm going to say it's out of the pit of hell. And so I'm explaining to you, and hopefully you can come to consider the same conclusion, of how the progressive idea, you'll hear political candidates will say, I'm actually a progressive. Most people don't know what they're saying. I know what they're saying. And that's what they do. Here are some of their I don't believes. So I thought I'd put some of these up there. Now this is actually out of their literature. This is some of the things that a progressive church does not believe. We are not fundamentalist. Now that this is actually right out of the uh, out of their uh, literature. We don't believe the Bible is the inerrant or infallible Word of God. That's what they don't believe. So if you want to line up with the progressive, now listen to me. Everybody basically on the left is a progressive. I hate to hurt your feelings. There might be one or two, but they're not paying attention. The whole philosophy, ideology is progressive in nature. Now look at this one. We don't agree that creationism should replace the science of evolution in public schools. Now, that's, this is what the progressives don't believe. Now, look at this one. This one kind of ticks me. We don't believe that God hates gays. Well, I don't either. Do you? So in their literature, we don't believe that God hates gays. Insinuating, if you're not progressive, you do believe that by insinuation. I don't hate gays. Now, so that one, I came across that one. I had to stop and pray. It ticked me off. We don't believe that people of other faiths are going to hell unless they convert to Christianity. Oh, it says that. That's what they believe right there. That's what they don't believe. They don't believe if you're of other faiths that you're going to go to hell. Now, you've got to decide if you want to line up with that or not. Or how much? Oh, well, I can line up with one or two. I can't line up with any of it. And I'm also trying to prove the point, this thing's in a bigger mess, perhaps, than we want to acknowledge. All right, let's try this one. Here are some of theirs I do believes. So I thought I'd get into, okay, let's, let's help them out here a little bit and see what they do believe since they're calling themselves Christians. The Christian faith is founded on three primary calls we see through Jesus. Their literature. This is what the Christian faith is founded on. To love God, to love our neighbor, and to love ourselves. Well, I mean, who's going to argue with that? Right? So, there, so the whole idea is built off of that. The Christian faith is our way of being faithful to God, but it is not the only way. Anybody have a problem with that one? Can you, can you see how with a progressive idea, I mean, surely you're seeing the pattern of how this thing works. Christianity is the truth for us, but it is not the only truth. There again, out of their own literature. Actually, that literature came out of that church that I showed you the picture of the front door. 
Same church. Here's some more of their I do's. I, uh, number three, love of God involves all aspects of life, not just human life. Now here we go. I mean, uh, you, you're on the surface. You're not going to argue with that. But not just human life. Care of the earth and its ecosystem is an expression of Christian faith and stewardship. I, I don't have a big problem with that, but they're going somewhere with it is the problem. Listen, I'm a farmer, 69 years old, been farming well, on my own since I was 19, but been farming with a family my whole life. I, I was preserving the planet before most people knew it was cool. That's right. I was looking at, I mean, when you're raised on the farm, you know how to look after the land and the animals all, and all that. I mean, come on, somebody. If you didn't, you'd starve. <laughs> Do the math. It, and it's like everything that's been going on in agriculture is just, just, everybody's been doing everything wrong. That's the idea. Well, if we've done everything wrong, why is everybody in America so healthy? And sometimes too healthy. It's because we've done it so well we got so much food, which is about to change. Um, anyway, I acted a little aggravated there, didn't I? I was now. Okay, I've got to stop there. Uh, I guess I might pick up there uh, this next session if you're interested. There's more uh, to that. As I, I want to show us about the progressiveness, what progressivism is. And the ideas in these last days and the days we're living in, how does this stuff, how does it get into us? How does it get into our churches? And I want us to leave from here with understanding because I'm persuaded in these last days that you must be informed, you must test things. And my job is to bring some things to the table for you to test. I'm not saying all of my ideas are perfect by no means. That's my, my, really my goal. My goal is to raise enough questions in your mind that you'll seek them out. Is that fair enough? So let's stand. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for today. Thank you for your word. I ask and pray, Lord Jesus, if there's anything that I've said that's not of you, I pray that it'll fall to the ground. If anything that I've said is of you, it's our prayer, oh God, that it would be quickened to our hearts, give us revelation, give us understanding that we might walk in your ways. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.